I've noticed that we're now arguing in the United States whether to say Kiev or Kiev. <laughs> Do you, and I understand the difference, but is that what's important to you, if anything? Um, it would be nice if everyone started using the actual name, uh, which is Kiev, right? Okay. Uh, okay. But I feel that even the more important thing is stop calling Ukraine the Ukraine. Okay. Because <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> okay, you ready to get rolling? Let's do it. Matt, are you ready? Yep, I'm I'm ready and rolling. Okay. So, Natal Natalia, welcome, and it's um, I'm so happy to see you safe. Um, you are in Kiev right now. Yes, still here. Yes, and uh, and I I really wanted to talk to you. It seems like uh, a different lifetime ago when we were uh, hanging out in Guatemala talking about um, ways to 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 make the Ukraine. A more free place. I just, I just said the thing you told me not to say. Tell it, tell us why we don't call it the Ukraine. Well, because um, I don't know why I do. I, I don't know who taught me that, but uh, the Ukraine refers to Ukraine being part of a bigger country, so like to the Soviet Union times, and since. Um, that's not a thing anymore, even though Putin is struggling with this concept. So we lot we lose the article, and it's just Ukraine. Okay, so uh, for everybody watching this, it's Ukraine, and it's Kiev, not Kiev. Is that correct as well? Yeah. Yes, absolutely right. And that is the Ukraine Ukraine pronunciation instead of the Russian pronunciation. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm glad that you are safe, but I know that you are right in the middle of it. I've been following your um, saga uh, primarily through your Facebook page, but, but tell me from your perspective, what's going on? Um, I, mean, I mean, start with, I guess we have to go back 72 hours now. You are now uh, three, day, three plus days into the Russian attack on Ukraine. Um, and, you know, a lot of so-called experts in the United States didn't imagine it would last that long. Um, but but I, I feel like uh, Vladimir Putin has has bitten off perhaps more than than he thought here. But but just tell me tell me stories about what's going on. Uh, well, I think that this uh, belief that um, Ukraine won't last long, uh, that Putin obviously counted on because his plan A was um, so-called blitzkrieg, which never happened. Um, I think um, he obviously underestimated Ukraine and he expected that, um, you know, all of these soldiers will be greeted with flowers, bread and salt as soon as they enter Ukraine. And that never happened. And uh, um it's just one of his delusions. As for the foreigners thinking about Ukraine like that, I think it might have been, uh, you know, influenced by what happened in Afghanistan, uh, with how fast the army crumbled, and afterwards we realized that it there wasn't really such a 
thing as an Afghan army, right? Because uh, the numbers were inflated, the people were not ready, they were not motivated for you know many reasons. But the case of Ukraine is absolutely different. So in our situation, we have um, an obvious unprovoked attacker who is sending here um, people who are not motivated, who did not, ex some of them did not expect to go to war because technically everything started with, you know, uh, exercises, right? Military exercises at the border. Um, so they were caught off guard by their task that they're coming here to kill people. Uh, some of them thought that they were either um, peacekeepers or so-called saviors. Well, that didn't happen. And uh, um, they also thought that they will be fighting against some, you know, uh, neo-Nazi lunatics. And it turns out they are fighting, you know, the people of Ukraine <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, haven't been united like this in a very, very long time. So I feel that in general with how Putin has been behaving, uh, you know, he is creating his own threats and he is undermining himself with what he is doing because uh, he didn't understand uh, that Ukrainians and Russians are different, uh, that Ukrainians value their freedom and independence and they're not afraid to show him. Um, you know, that, that we are different and uh, um, that we're not running away. Um, you have uh, a lot of civilians picking up weapons. Um, we have um, so-called um, um, territorial defense, um, which is basically either people who had previous experience uh, in the army or just civilians who had uh, like, some kind of you know minimal training um they're getting their hands on weapons and um they are protecting separate districts especially in kiev um which became the center of putin's plan b which is just to throw everything in kiev to have it surrounded uh so that he can eliminate the current government um, you know, uh, put the puppet government in power and then withdraw quickly. Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, the longer it lasts, uh, the more he bleeds, uh, both literally and figuratively. Um, allegedly, this war costs them 15,000, oh, sorry, 15, uh, was it billion uh, pounds a day? or something like that. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, today, uh, I think we saw the first uh, appearance of Chechens um, in Ukraine. And uh, um, a couple of them uh, were um, captured, the ones that survived the attack. Um, the Ukrainian army is being um, absolutely brutal. Um, you know, to the attackers, but those who decide to um, stop killing innocent people and give up, uh, obviously they are, you know, they are captured, they're interviewed and everything um, is uh, posted online. And today um, 
our min Ministry of Defense announced that they are creating a hotline for um, Russians who have their family members sent uh, to Ukraine and who can't, you know, either connect with them or are not sure where they are. So they can just call this hotline and uh, yeah, Ukrainian crazy neo-Nazis will help them find out information about what's going on with their relatives. And if they're captured, uh, we'll give them an opportunity to send a word or, or two to them. So th this is what's happening. And uh, um, uh, it gets scarier at night because uh, this is where when a lot of um, rocket launching happens, airstrikes, because uh, they're trying to be sneaky uh, about this. And uh, um, tonight is uh, expected to be especially um, hard because uh, we saw Russian um, grads approaching um, Kiev. And this is a very um, dangerous um, weapon because our um, air defense, defense system operators cannot shoot them down. So, um, it, so it's talk, going to talk, be- Talk about, uh, so you're, you're um, obviously in your apartment and, and there have been some uh, bombings of, of civilians. And I see, I see pictures at least of, of people, I guess, sheltering in, in subway stations and stuff like that. Tell me, tell me what has happened the last couple of nights um, living in Kiev. Um, so basically, um, a lot of people in Kiev and in Kharkiv and in just bigger cities in general with um, a subway system, um, that's where they go to either during all of the nights because uh, those are like the biggest designated bomb shelters in the country. So they, that's where they go with their pets, with their children uh, and stay there for the night. Or um, that's where families go to even during the day, um, just to, to be safe. Um, you know, um, that's the thing that, um, um, a lot of Ukrainians don't, especially people in Kiev, they do not feel safe at home. So they're looking, you know, for a place, um, but also um, atmosphere. So I think the location does not really matter that much. It's just being with people like you. Uh, it just makes them feel uh, a little bit better because uh, every, everyone is super close. Uh, there and uh, um, I saw yesterday that in one of uh, metro stations they set up this makeshift uh, movie theater for kids so just like a little bit of a distraction um, now uh, well I am at home uh, I never went to a, a bomb shelter um, I do know where the closest uh, location is um, it's not exactly a bomb shelter. It's just like a um, uh, apartment building um, basement, which is deep enough um, to protect you in case um, you know a missile strike or a rocket uh, launch. Um, so it is close. Uh, there is one actual uh, bomb shelter nearby, uh, but I wouldn't uh, like I wouldn't be able to reach it tonight because starting at 5 p.m. 
right now it's almost 11 p.m. But starting at 5 p.m., we had a um, very strict curfew introduced in Kiev. And this curfew will last until 8 a.m. Monday morning. So it's almost a two-day curfew uh, during which we are advised not to leave uh, our apartments. Um, well, I guess uh, unless you're going for the nearest bomb shelter, you can find uh, because during this time, um, our um, National Guard, Army and uh, Territorial Defense will be trying to intercept uh, and capture um, Russian agents um, hiding in the midst of um, civilians. So, yeah. So there's, um, uh, and, and you've touched on this and you've been posting uh, pictures on Facebook, but the civilian part of the um, national defense is, is quite striking. Um, you showed a, a picture of one mom with uh, probably a Kalashnikov rifle um, prepared to, to go to war. Explain a little bit about um, that the parliament just um, recently, I think like a, less than a week ago, legalized um, having weapons outside the home. But, but Ukraine has been different in the sense that, that there there is uh, uh, citizens are allowed to have guns, which is quite unusual for the reason region, I believe. Well, this is a very complicated issue, and actually, a lot of um, gun advocates are very unhappy with this law because um, we still don't have a self-defense law, and this is a problem um, because. Uh, um, like you have to go through 10 circles of hell to prove that you had the right to use even a knife uh, defending your home and your family. So um, basically the, the change is very on the surface. Uh, the government is still, um, you know, uh, well, at least that was a couple of days ago, you know, everything changed. Uh, but officially, the government still thinks that uh, Ukrainians should not be trusted with guns, um, especially if um, we are talking about um, smaller non-hunting weapons. Um, but then again, uh, the day before yesterday, we had uh, 10,000 automatic rifles um, distributed among our territorial defense uh, because this is war, right? That was peacetime talk and now everyone is ready. Everyone is suddenly uh, a responsible adult uh, able to use an automatic weapon. Um, so the fact that uh, those weapons were distributed is obviously extremely helpful. Um, hopefully people do know how to use those weapons and they're not going to uh, hurt themselves in the process. Um, just because they, they didn't have the time for proper preparation, you know, and uh, just because um, they're, even if you're a hunter, right, the 
weapons used for hunting are very different from um, automatic rifles. Um, so yeah, at least, at least they're armed. Um, that was not enough weapons. Um, they're saying that they will be distributing more. Well, the more the better in our situation, uh, but also uh, they're armed with oh, the Ukrainians' favorite weapon, which is Molotov cocktail. Um, so we had a lot of practice with those in 2013 and 2014. And now um, our, our um, various divisions of our army, they're distributing information, instructing people where to hit which vehicle with a Molotov cocktail to cause uh, as much damage as possible. Um, so this is what the um, territorial defense members were busy with today. So if you look through pictures from um, the biggest cities in Ukraine, you will see that there are tons and tons of boxes with uh, um, glass bottles filled up with the, you know, the inflammatory liquid and uh, you know with uh, pieces of cloth sticking out so um, this is um, what they were will be doing tonight and this is what they will be doing tomorrow and we'll see for how how much longer it's going to last so the 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 the, the thing that uh, perhaps and this is me not knowing enough and you're going to correct me if I get this wrong but Perhaps the biggest miscalculation that Putin made here was not appreciating, appreciating that there's now several generations of Ukrainians since the Declaration of Independence in 1991 that don't have the built-in loyalty to Russia that, that perhaps existed in, in the early 2000s. Talk a little bit about um, younger generations, you, you would be one of them, but but what is the mindset of young people when when Russia invades their country? Well, um, the case of my generation is very interesting because uh, we might not be that young anymore, but we went through um, actually, well, one huge uh, protest in defense of Ukrainian language a massive public protest uh, when we were students. And we went through two massive revolutions in Ukraine. So in 2004, against falsified elections, uh, I was in high school then. And then in 2013-14, when I was a student. And the 2013-14 one, um, it was basically like a, a civilizational shift uh, because at that moment we said uh, that no, we have a different path than Russia. We want to be closer to Europe. We share European values and uh, um, we want to develop differently. And uh, the misunderstanding uh, that came out of that situation um, among some people in Ukraine and among a lot of people in Russia was that that was the U.S. doing, <laughs> you know, that the U.S. installed, um, well, created a coup in the country, first of all, and then installed uh, their own uh, puppet government, right? And uh, suddenly 
all of us were uh, enslaved by the West, you know, that we don't have uh, the brains of our own and we're just doing whatever, I don't know, uh, the White House is telling us to do. Um, obviously, they were very, very wrong. And uh, um, they, didn't, they didn't understand what happened. Like at first, what we called Maidan, it started with students um, who were extremely unhappy when the government announced that no, we will not be continuing on the you know pro-European route. And then um, you know the the protest was dying down until there were basically like a, a dozen or so people left spending the night on the Independence Square, and instead of waiting. Uh, a couple more days, you know, until they all go home. Uh, our government sent um, the police to beat them up. And after that, uh, that's where the when the real revolution happened. So if you uh, basically the message from most of Ukrainians was, if you're going to beat up our children, uh, we're going to get rid of you. So we got rid of our pro-Russian dictator and just not everyone realized that. Um, so we, we are a democracy. Uh, we have a lot of issues on our own, uh, but uh, we elect our government. And to uh, when we elect our government, this government represents uh, not all Ukrainians because we are a democracy, right? That's why we still have a pro-Russian pro uh, politicians, you know, they're active. Um, they have a party of their own. Uh, here, we're not talking about like uh, Russian agents or anything, but they do exist once again, because we are a democracy and uh, uh, we do have uh, nationalists in the country. We do have neo-Nazis in the country, but they are a marginal minority group. And uh, it's 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 ridiculous uh, when uh, you know the, the when Russians have this um, weird understanding of how Ukrainians elect their government and, and the whole relationship between the people and the government because it's completely different from uh, what it is in Russia. So. Um, I don't know how to, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know how we can um, get through to a lot of them, but we are at least trying to um, dispel some of the misconceptions. And uh, one of the main ones being that, no, we don't need the Russian army here. We don't want them here. They are not welcome. But if they come, they are most likely going to go back in uh, body bags. You know, it's it's it has to be a good omen that your cat has joined the show because, um, as you know, cats are inherently libertarian and they they believe in independence. Um, so I take this as a sign. If I was actually at home, I'm in Oklahoma City right now. Uh, one of my cats would be photobombing the conversation as well. So I I think it's a good thing. Let's hope so. Yeah. Hey, so talk about let's let's drill a little bit deeper for those of us that don't um, uh, understand so much about about Ukraine to talk about this, uh, this Russian minority, because obviously, um, part of what we're told is in, in Crimea, 
and Donbas, these are these are Russian majority regions of the country. And and how does that break out? Um, obviously, you have a, a, a pro-Russian um, faction of your parliament. Uh, fill, fill in some of those blanks. Well, so um, a couple of things that are important to understand. Um, um, in Ukraine, uh, we have, uh, we should differentiate between um, Russian speaking Ukrainians and uh, pro Russian, Russian speaking Ukrainians. So they're mostly Russians and basically they can be called Russians uh, because they were sent here to our land um, during our um, not very enjoyable time at the Soviet Union. So that's how the Soviet Union was trying to, you know, um, fight this um, element, the freedom-loving element in the Ukrainian people was uh, by sending ethnic Russians here. Um, and as for um, Crimea, um, the situation with, with Crimea is that it was, you know, we have sirens going off. Um, so the situation with Crimea is that um, it was technically gifted to the to Ukraine while it was part of the Soviet Union, um, but um, Russians there are not the they are not the let's say the local nationality because uh, that's the home of Crimean Tatars. And uh, the Soviet Union tried to get rid of, to break them, um, to move them out of Crimea. And now um, it, Russia is continuing uh, persecuting Crimean Tatars because they're also, they're freedom loving people and they're uh, vocal. And that's why they're being persecuted, kidnapped in the middle of the day and imprisoned. Um, as for Ukraine in general, um, I would not say that the distinction is between like Ukrainian speaking and Russian speaking Ukrainians. It's more like Ukrainian speaking, Russian speaking Ukrainians against uh, Russian speaking, pro-Russian uh, Ukrainians, uh, just because of um, the thought difference, you know, different values. Um, most of them uh, who are really Russia loving, they consume information and narrative produced in Russia. Um, so they uh, do not like watch Ukrainian channels. They do not follow um, the media that's maybe uh, a bit more objective or truthful about these things. Um, and they do have very strong ties with Russia. So they have families there, that's where they travel, you know, when they go on vacation and uh, um, they uh, um, really keep those ties uh, alive. So yeah, they speak Russian. Um, they, the majority of them are um, like, they are Orthodox, Orthodox Christians, but um, they are Russian Orthodox Christians. 
because in Ukraine we have uh, um, Ukrainian Orthodox Christians and Russian Orthodox Christians. We have uh, um, Roman Catholics. We have Greek Catholics, you know, and so on. Um, and uh, um, the church uh, for a while, um, the Russian Orthodox Church, they um, were basically, um, I don't know how to say it uh, correctly, uh, or maybe more fairly, but they were uh, Kremlin agents in the country. And uh, um, just because they were basically living in those um, pro-Russia ghettos, um, they were actually very happy when, um, when Russians came in and said, hey, we're gonna fund you, we're gonna back you up, we're gonna provide you with people and weapons at the beginning. And then we will create people's republics. Um, and that's, that's exactly how our war with Russia started. It started in 2014. Um, it's just back then they were uh, being smarter about you know, their methods. And uh, they uh, insisted that Russian soldiers were not on the ground. They were not you know, present there. Uh, but, you know, in a matter of days, they um, distributed um, Russian passports. Um, they actually insisted on people switching their nationality. And in Ukraine, in Ukraine, you're not allowed dual citizenship. So basically, if you want to, to switch, you have to give up your Ukrainian citizenship. Then um, they uh, took over, uh, you know, mines, businesses. Um, they uh, introduced Russian banks in there. So basically they like created small Russias within the territory of Ukraine. And um, now um, they showed up claiming that they came to save those people's republics from genocide, from the genocide created by uh, the US installed government um, in Kiev, uh, neo-Nazi government, which is even funnier taking into account that um, both our previous president and current presidents, uh, they are uh, Jewish and um, Russian speaking, um, you know, outside of their uh, formal engagements. So, um, yeah, um, and that's why, you know, uh, to those people who actually believe, believe in this genocide, um, I would like to ask, I think, um, a very reasonable question. So why do you think if Russia knew about this genocide and has known about this genocide for the past eight years, oh, why did it take them so long, you know, to come and rescue you? <laughs> horrible, horrible, uh, you know, Ukrainians. So um, yeah, that's, that's uh, ridiculous. Um, obviously, um, the point about, you, you know, Ukrainians shelling civilians and things like that um, is, is not true. Um, you know, civilians do die. Uh, when there is military action going on, unfortunately. Um, but um, the Ukrainian side was actually sticking to the Minsk uh, Accords in the points 
in which certain weapons were um, banned or they were not allowed. And in most cases, the Ukrainian army wasn't even allowed to shoot back. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of uh, the after the wave of volunteers in 2014, because our army was basically non-existent. So that wave of um, volunteers died down and uh, at some point they left the army because they were so, you know, um, disheartened, disillusioned, and it's very difficult psychologically, you know, when uh, you get shot at every day, your comrades, your, your brothers in arms and sisters in arms die every day, but there's nothing you can do about it because you're actually the side that is following the rules. So um, a lot of them even left the country altogether, but they're coming back now because they're actually allowed to you know, protect their land now. They're allowed to use these weapons, modern weapons that we are receiving from um, our Western allies. And actually Germany today announced that they will allow uh, for German made weapons to be sent to Ukraine before this, only the American made ones uh, were allowed. So um, they're coming back. And one of the thing is, uh, one of the rumors is that they are especially eager um, to have, a, you know, a, another meeting with Chechens because, you know, they are not done. They didn't finish their conversation in 2014 and, uh, you know, uh, when they were in, involved. So um, we, we see this uh, desire of people to, um, you know, to, to be done with this now, because it, it has dragged on for a really long time. And um, this um, escalation, this um, full-scale invasion, it created an opportunity to, um, for us to basically have our say. So no, this is not, uh, Russia and the U.S. trying to, you know, resolve their issues. And no, this is not Russia um, worrying and trying to protect, you know, its um, security interests. If you're worried about your security, you protect your land within your own borders. You don't invade other countries and you don't threaten other countries because he even threatened uh, Finland and Sweden um earlier today um so yeah um russia is creating a lot of its own security issues and now it's not about nato ukraine um wanted and still wants to join nato because it feels threatened by russia <laughs> um not because you know nato is uh, encroaching and now you know since this um massive escalation um it just, to me, at least it makes sense that NATO is increasing its presence in the region to make sure that its members are protected. But it, it had uh, a cause and it was Russia's actions and uh, Russia's uh, behavior and uh, uh, the messages that Putin has been putting out publicly. 
What is your what is your take on President Zelensky? Um, so, um, you know, when he was um, brought into power, it was a landslide victory. So it was 73% uh, of people voted um, to support him and to support his party, uh, which is the majority party in the parliament. Um, I did not vote for him. So a lot of people are saying like, this is my president because I voted for this person or this is not my president because I didn't vote for this uh, person. So right now he's everyone's president. So he uh, might have started off as a, a clown as a lot of people call him just because of his uh, comedian uh, background, but um, he has clearly risen up to the occasion. Uh, he's doing, um, it's right. Uh, he is uh, um, delivering the correct messages and uh, he has grown a lot uh, in these past couple of days. And I think for himself, he has realized a lot because he also had uh, you know, his, his own um, illusions about Russia, about Putin. Uh, but when you have, uh, you know, when you have these people bringing war to your country, uh, your way of thinking uh, tends to change quite a bit. So um, right now we are very proud of the government that we have. And um, we are very proud of our army and we have complete faith in our army and we ourselves are doing whatever we can to support um, these men and women and uh, uh, of volunteers, because we have so many people working on this, you know, so many people trying to defend Ukraine um, against Russia, is that it's just a huge show of unity, you know, political unity, ideological unity, and uh, before this, we used to say that the problem of Ukraine, you know, other than issues like the lack of rule of law, corruption, uh, all connected issues, that the biggest issue of Ukraine is the absence of the national idea, you know, something that would bring us together. Well, now we have this national idea and it basically uh, can be summarized as, you know, uh, kick Russians' asses, uh, <laughs> Russians' occupants' asses. So yeah, mm, it's a tremendous uh, show of unity. And uh, sure, we're scared. You know, we're going against a very big army. Um, it might not be uh, the best army in the world, or you know, the the most prepared army in the world, um, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of, you know, insiders information about uh, how everything is, how things are going in the Russian army, but just ju judging by um, what we um, were able to capture, we, I mean, the, obviously the Ukrainian army, um, the condition of uh, their armored vehicles, tanks, things like that, uh, it's not ideal. Um, they are not motivated. Yes, there are a lot of them. And uh, um, we have a big problem right now is ensuring um, air defense 
Um, that's why um, you could probably see uh, a lot of Ukrainians and politicians calling for the no-fly zone over Ukraine, because that would be uh, like NATO guaranteed no-fly zone over Ukraine like they did for Israel, even though Israel is not a NATO member. So um, I think a very important point um, to make is that we do not expect um, the US or NATO to send uh, people to Ukraine, you know, uh, to fight or instead of us or to fight with us. Um, no, that's not something that, that we uh, want unless, you know, we see uh, you know, separate groups like volunteering to join us and uh, stand with us. But uh, like uh, receiving um, javelins, stingers, um, receiving uh, bayraktars from Turkey, like all of this is extremely helpful. And uh, um, like maybe um, securing this no-fly zone over Ukraine is a bit um, too extreme for NATO, right? They, they're trying not to get as involved, maybe in, in order not to piss Putin off even more or something. But um, yeah, this is one of the challenges that we are trying deal with and in this moment we actually wish we had an iron dome <laughs> over ukraine uh you know uh what israel has mm, the, because uh, obviously we would we would be a lot more protected than we are now but um i think we are uh, handling ourselves pretty admirably <laughs> and uh, uh we survived three days and hopefully we will last longer. You know, uh, I guess military experts, they allege that if we are able to stand our ground for 10 days, uh, then um, Russia will have to back off because they will not have uh, enough money, manpower, resources to keep this going. Um, I don't know how true that is, uh, I just know that we are not planning to um, back down anytime soon. So, you know, uh, however long it takes. You said uh, earlier, and we heard that the sirens, has there been fighting near where you live? Um, well, there have been um, cases of uh, Russian saboteurs and uh, Russian military uh, vehicles stopped nearby uh, on their way to the uh, government quarters. So uh, technically, I don't live next to any um, strategic um, you know, objects or governmental objects. Um, but during the night, they tend to just um, bomb <laughs> uh, places randomly or, you know, aiming at one place, they completely miss it. And, uh, you know, the, the missile or uh, the rocket, uh, rocket ends up in an apartment building, like uh, we saw this morning. So um, 
at night we are not feeling particularly safe and there was a message my actually my brother sent me a message when was it it was um, 20 minutes ago saying that in 30 minutes kiev will be heavily bombed um, so this is something that we were warned about because of the approach of grads so if they do uh, launch those uh, it will be like um, uh, blanket shelling so um, these weapons they are not selective about the, their targets so um, uh, there will be a lot of casualties and uh, obviously they will be um, going for um, civilians as well so um, that's something we will be waiting for. So probably no one is going to go to sleep tonight. So uh, when uh, we set this up at the last minute because we wanted to get your perspective and, and hopefully create a platform for you to tell this story. Um, and Terry, my wife, was texting with you and, and, and she asked if we could identify you publicly. And you said, um, so far, so good. Sure, I don't have any reservations about speaking publicly. It's my duty as a Ukrainian. You talked about the unity of, of Ukrainians. Um, give, me, um, give me a sense. Give me, give me some hope. Give me some hope that, that there's, there's enough resolve here um, that everyone in Ukraine is going to be okay. Not everyone. I don't know what to Unfortunately, ask. no. Unfortunately, no. It's not going to be everyone because we already have civilian casualties. And uh, so far, we see that the death toll is uh, around 300 people. Uh, and those are only the ones that um, they were able to identify. Uh, and a lot of people are missing and uh, more than a thousand people are injured. So uh, unfortunately, not everyone uh, will be able to um, survive this. But, you know, if we're going on the way of storytelling, right, we're, we're trying to learn how to tell stories properly. So just today, um, an 80 year old man showed up to register for the army uh, with a little uh, brown leather suitcase in which he had uh, two t-shirts and two pairs of pants. And he said that uh, he was doing it for his grandchildren. Uh, in a different situation, you know, we have a military conscription in, in the country. And under normal circumstances, you will have people trying to bribe their way out of the army. Now people are trying to bribe their way in. <laughs> because they want to register either for the army or for the uh, territorial defense. It doesn't matter. So they're trying to bribe their way in, but they can't find uh, um, slots available. And because uh, um, like there's not enough ammunition, equipment uh, for everyone who's, who wants to sign up, uh, they wait in lines for hours and hours to do that. We see people who wait in lines for three, four or five hours to donate blood. Um, and uh, oh, I'm back. so to donate blood and um, things like that. So um, 
I think we'll be fine. Um, we have a great support system, you know, in ourselves. We do uh, get a lot of messages from people, you know, asking like if if you're able to get to the border with Poland, Romania, um, Hungary, or you know, uh, get to one of the Baltic states, like we will be able to to help you out. Um, so far, we're not going anywhere. Uh, I absolutely do not judge people who decided to leave. You know, who decided to leave Kiev. Would go to the Western Ukraine because it's a bit safer or to leave Ukraine altogether. I just uh, know that they will be doing what they can from where they are, uh, you know, to, to help out. Um, and uh, we do need the help of people who are outside of Ukraine um, because of this shortage of uh, medical supplies, ammunition, and uh, like bulletproof vests, helmets and things like that. So we need them out there working on this um, matter. So um, we think we'll be fine. And, and it doesn't sound like you're giving up. Uh, no, because we don't have another choice. Because like, uh, if we give up now, there will be no Ukraine. And th that's a, a very, very heavy cost to pay. And we all understand this. Okay. Um, I'm going to let you go. Thank you, Natalia. This has been very educational for me. And uh, all I can tell you is stay safe. Thank you, guys. Well, you know, follow, follow the news, but be very selective. <laughs> about what you read because there's a lot of Russian propaganda out there. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed that show, make sure that you like and subscribe. Click the little bell so that you get notifications. And if you consume this via podcast, go wherever you want to go. We're everywhere. Kibbe on Liberty, the revolution starts now.